Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. to a live broadcast of BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines that I call USA Inc. It is a Friday evening. It's 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So glad that you could join us. We are taking the Tando Radio Show slot as I was informed by Dave about an hour ago that he had an important client that he had to meet with and was not going to be able to do Tando Radio Show. So we'll just take his time slot and we will bring you a live broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. Again, my name is Scotty Reed. Welcome to the program. Lots to talk about today as it is every day. There's always something to talk about. There's no shortage of news when it comes to things that are important or impacting the black community, which is our primary audience, although we are concerned about people all over this planet. But there are a couple of news stories, really only one, that I really, really want to get into, but I will share some other news with you. But I don't know if y'all heard, but Papa John, I believe his last name is Shatner, I don't know if he's any relation to William Shatner, probably no relation, you know, William Shatner who played Captain Kirk on Star Trek, but 
No, we're talking about John Shatner, who is the founder of Papa John's Pizza franchise. And he, after being forced down as the CEO of the company, has now been forced out as the CEO, or I should say the chairman of the board of the uh, board of Papa John's. And why was he forced out? Well, he was forced out because he was being asked some questions on a conference call relating to um, their public image because Papa John's stock took a hit after Papa John, again, his name is John Shatner, was public in his comments, very, very strong comments about the protests against police violence and racism, which was started by a former NFL footballer, a former quarterback, Colin Kaepernick and then others joined in like Eric Reed and, and quite a few others joined in those uh, silent protests on the sidelines uh, before NFL games during the playing of the Slavers Anthem. Some of you might know, know it as the National Anthem. Um, so he was uh, criticized within the company uh, by, the, by the board of directors for his comments. And I guess they were trying to give him some racial sensitivity training and they hooked him up with this ad agency and they were asking him questions about, you know, how would you distance yourself from these racist groups today? And he felt that he shouldn't have to distance himself. He even mentioned Colonel Sanders, uh, who is the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken and and he said that Colonel Sanders called people the N-word. He called black people niggers and he didn't have to distance himself or or you know from those comments or anything and and so why should I? You know, those weren't his exact words, but I'm paraphrasing it and I will pull up his his comments when we get to that portion of the program. But that's not even, I don't even know if we should call it controversial because we live in a in an anti-social uh, society that was founded on slavery and racism. So why should we even call it controversial? It's just par for the course in this country. But what really stood out to me is his other comments made during the same call. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up right now. I saw this story, might have saw it yesterday, but I read it this morning. And it was an article by Forbes. Um, you know, Forbes usually reports on financial matters and, and things of that nature, uh, dealing with corporate America and rich people stuff. And so anyway, I read that article this morning and he said, that black people used to get dragged to their deaths behind trucks in his hometown of Jeffersonville, Indiana, which is right across the border from Kentucky. I, I think it's like, you know, not that far from Louisville, Kentucky. And so I was like, wow. So I was like, how old is this dude? So he was born in 1961. So he's not that much older than than yours truly. I'm you know, I was born in 66. So he's only 4 years older than me. 
And so, you know, I would just want to look at the timeline. So if he recalls that, that means he wasn't a child. He, he wasn't a toddler or anything like that. I, I shouldn't say he wasn't a child because teenagers are children. But I imagine this might have been going on either in the 70s or maybe even the 80s. In the 90s where black people were being lynched by trucks. And he said this on the call. He said this on the call. Now, look at those comments in the context of of the racist FBI trolling black people by opening up a case, reopening the case of the Emmett Till murder. And, you know, I will talk about that story a little bit today as well. And I agree with the article that the Atlantic put out. This is this is nothing but trolling. Jeff Session don't care nothing about so, and what is there to investigate? What is there to solve? The murderers already confessed. They even confessed to national newspapers and what have you. And they're dead. The only one I believe is still alive is the uh, the white woman that Emmett Till allegedly whistled at. And she went and told her husband and him and his racist buddies uh, kidnapped this teenager and murdered him. Now, take that in the context with the FBI, what Shatner said in the context of the FBI saying it's reopening the Emmett Till case. And I put a poll up on our Twitter account uh, about maybe 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. I think the last time I looked at it, six people had voted. But my question was, given that the FBI is reopening the Emmett Till case and given the comments of Papa John Shatner in saying that he has knowledge of black people being dragged to their deaths in his hometown of Jeffersonville, Indiana, should the FBI be looking into those murders? Because I'm sure those murders are probably listed as unsolved, although I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody knew who was behind those murders. I'm sure they were bragging about it and laughing and joking about it and what have you. But I mean, that's, he's revealing that he has knowledge of the murder, murders of black people. Okay. Not just one murder, but murders of black people that he said occurred in his hometown. And I will again, pull up his exact comments, but those are, you know, that Emmett Till story, uh, not really interested in it, but it does relate to, the the murder of black people by racist white terrorists in this country and you know a lot of people like to think about when we think about lynchings and and just open racial violence and what have you we like to think about the 1930s or the 1800s or the early 19th century and whatnot. But I've told the story before as a teenager, excuse me, I wasn't even a teenager. I was 10 years old when we were living in Detroit and a couple of my cousins was walking from my house to my other cousin's house. And we had to cut through this predominantly white neighborhood, although we lived in a mixed neighborhood, but we had to cut through this predominantly white neighborhood and then were chased by an entire baseball team of crackers. And I ain't talking about the Atlanta crackers. This was in Detroit. Um, for those that don't know, there was an actual baseball team 
Um, and that was a popular name for baseball teams around Atlanta, if you do the research, the Atlanta Crackers. So we were chased by an entire baseball team in Detroit. I'm a 10-year-old. Um, my oldest cousin, I mean, my uh, other two cousins, one was 15 and the other was 17. And we were chased by a team, baseball team of, of young Crackers in their coaches. And this was in 1970, so I was 10 years old. That would have had to been 1976. And these acts of terrorism continue to this day, but most of them are committed by slave catchers. You may call them cops and what have you. So so his comments are very interesting. Uh, we could approach it for from so many different angles, but I tell you, man, uh, the FBI... I don't expect them to investigate, but they should investigate if they was about practicing justice. You know, they it is a part of the Department of Justice. But if they were about practicing justice, they would be interviewing Papa John Shatner right now about his knowledge of these murders of these black people, lynching by trucks. And I forget the black man's first name, uh, but his last name was Bird. And this was in the 80s, and I think it happened in Texas, but I remember that, where he was dragged to death behind a truck and until his head popped off and what have you. So, you know, when we talk about the history of racism and terrorism in this country, we're not necessarily talking about ancient history. We're not talking... A hundred years ago, we ain't talking 50 years ago. In many cases, as I stated, this stuff is happening today. It's happening today. All right. So those are the the main two stories, the, you know, opening of. Okay. uh, 813, I I see you may have a question or comment, but I haven't opened up the phone lines yet. Uh, Once I do, um, you are more than welcome to chime in. Uh, but when we do call in, please watch our background noise so we can preserve the quality of our audio. Um, so, yeah, but there's a number of other stories that I want to go over quickly before we get into those main stories. Um, you know, and I'm sure people may want to comment on those stories. Um, but the telephone number is 704. Um, man, I'm forgetting the telephone number, ain't I? It's 704, let me give you the 1-800 number. It's 1-866-510-9025, I'm getting a brain fart on our uh, local North Carolina number, uh, which again is uh, 704, uh, I can't remember it right now, 802-5056. Thank you, Otis. Otis posted it in the chat room. I just got a brain fart because I was not prepared to do a live program today, but when Dave let me know about an hour ago that he had an important client to meet with, I said, I'll go ahead and fill that slot. So that that number is 704-802-5056. Hit star star on your telephone keypad that will open up your mic, but watch your background noise, please. But before I get into Papa John talking about he has knowledge of black people being dragged behind trucks to their deaths. And he probably participated in a few, you know what I'm saying? Uh, But he just ain't telling that part of it. But before I get into that, 
there's some news that has been dominating uh, social media. Also, uh, you know, I have a YouTube channel and I subscribe to channels on YouTube, but I logged on to YouTube and all the mainstream media is talking about Robert Mueller, the uh, special counsel who's investigating alleged Russian interference into the 2016 election, which again, this so-called interference doesn't amount to anything really, but some doggone social media ads that they paid for. And But they're trying to claim that they hacked, the Russians hacked into John Podesta's Gmail account. Um, he was the campaign chair of Hillary Clinton. Uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, was using an unsecured server, and I do have some new news on that because y'all know the uh, FBI agent who was cheating on his wife with an FBI attorney, and they were texting each other, talking about stopping Trump and all of that. He's been testifying, so that's been dominating a lot of the news and and what have you, but also what came out in his testimony uh, through questioning was that Hillary Clinton, you know, using an unsecured server to transmit classified information. They said that of the 30,000 emails that she sent, only four of those were sent through approved channels. And they're saying that she possibly got, got hacked and what have you. But anyway, this is the report from MSNBC um, about Mueller indicting some Russians, some, and I think these are supposed to be intelligence agencies. But I'll save my comments until after we hear from uh, the number two guy at the FBI. Let's go ahead and cue that up. The indictment charges 12 Russian military officers by name for conspiring to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. 11 of the defendants are charged with conspiring to hack into computers, steal documents, and release those documents with the intent to interfere in the election. One of those defendants and a 12th Russian military officer are charged with conspiring to infiltrate computers of organizations involved in administering elections, including state boards of election, secretaries of state, and companies that supply software used to administer elections. According to the allegations in the indictment, the defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. There was one unit that engaged in active cyber operations by stealing information and a different unit that was responsible for disseminating the stolen information. The defendants used two techniques to steal information. First, they used a scheme known as spear phishing, which involves sending misleading email messages and tricking the users into disclosing their passwords and security information. Second, the defendants hacked into computer networks and installed malicious software that allowed them to spy on users and capture keystrokes, take screenshots, and exfiltrate or remove data from those computers. The defendants accessed email accounts of volunteers and employees of a U.S. presidential campaign. 
including the campaign chairman, starting in March of 2016. They also hacked into the computer networks of a congressional campaign committee and a national political committee. The defendants covertly monitored the computers and planted hundreds of files containing malicious computer code and stole emails and other documents. The conspirators created fictitious online personas, including DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0. And they used those personas to release information, including thousands of stolen emails and other documents, beginning in June of 2016. The defendants falsely claimed that DC Leaks was a group of American hackers and that Guccifer 2.0 was a lone Romanian hacker. In fact, both were created and controlled by the Russian GRU. In addition to releasing documents directly to the public, the defendants transferred stolen documents to another organization that is not identified by name in the indictment, and they used that organization uh, as a pass-through to release the documents. They discussed the timing of the release in an attempt to enhance the impact on the election. Hey there, I'm Okay, now, here's my initial thoughts, and the phone lines are open, but keep your comments to the stories that we are on at the time. You can call in and comment more than once on different stories if you choose, but the phone lines are open. But here's my initial thoughts. This is political theater. This is political theater. Number one, perhaps John Podessa had, should not have been using G, a Gmail account. A Gmail account, which, by the way, like many other commercial email accounts, are being spied on by NSA, the National Security Agency here in the United States, spying on his own citizens. So when I hear these accusations, and again, these are accusations, these are allegations. Remember, in the United States, even though we know it's a bunch of bull, but you're supposed to be presumed innocent. Uh, until proven guilty in a court of law. I doubt if this case will even go to trial unless they try these alleged intelligence agencies or operatives working for Russian intelligence agencies unless they try them in absentia or something like that. Um, but I just find it to be hypocritical in a farce when our own government is spying on us. And if Hillary Clinton's, they didn't name any servers, right, of the DNC. People claimed that the DNC servers were hacked, although other people said that it was a leak. And Seth Rich uh, murdered DNC uh, employee who was murdered in Washington, D.C. in a so-called robbery that did not even take his watch or wallet or anything like that. And the DNC never allowed the FBI to examine their servers. Right there, that's a red flag. If you claim that you were hacked and that it was a crime, why didn't you allow people to see your servers? And then we know Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, was using a personal commercial server using companies that weren't even authorized, didn't even have security clearances. So let's just assume that these things are true. And if they are true, I would say that, hell, 
those Russian intelligence officers was just doing their jobs, right? They ain't doing nothing no different than what the CIA does. And what comes to my mind is the information that came out when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State that the very same techniques that they were talking about in in this video clip or the audio that you just heard were being employed against members of the United Nations to dig up dirt on them to quote to white mail them okay to coerce them to vote how the United States wants them to vote so when I hear all of this outrage about all oh, the Russians hacked into man come on give me a break are you not aware that your own government yes you aware that your own government is spying on you where is the outrage that Donald Trump um, and this was announced publicly is creating a database of independent journalists like yours truly and spying on us. Okay? So I am not buying into all this red scare garbage. It's what it is, what it is. Even if they did it, so what? That's how I feel about it. I have no, I am not invested in this country. I'm just living here behind the enemy lines where they practicing slavery and racism. All right? So why should I care? Why should I care if the um, corporation of USA Inc. is being compromised? I don't care. I'm just being honest with you. Why should I care? I don't care. I want to. I want it to be dissolved so that we might have an opportunity to build something better. You know, Dave on Tando Radio Show talks about the untied states of America and, and, and saying that America might, you know, disintegrate much like the old Soviet Union did. I would not care. I would not care. I just simply would not because I am not invested in this empire. This empire is not invested in me or people who look like me except to put us in the prison to make profit uh, during this new age of slavery in this country. So this is the lens through which I view this political theater. It doesn't concern me whatsoever. I don't care. Okay. All the dirt that they do. How many countries were overthrown during the Obama administration? Libya comes to mind, right? Because when we open up Tando Radio Show, we play that clip uh, by Sincere Naquari where, you know, Gaddafi was talking about putting all of Africa on a gold dinar, um, backing their currency with gold, a united African currency. And what happened? The French in the United States murdered him. Hillary Clinton on video laughing about it. So I should be concerned about uh, Russian intelligence officers doing their jobs. <laughs> I shouldn't care. I don't care. When the CIA is doing so much worse. So much worse. So much worse. So I, I don't care about that. I don't care. All right. But, it, it you know, it'll be interesting to see if this proceeds. Um, if, if these now I do remember where they said those uh, what was it Cambridge Analytica and then they mentioned some Russian based company they indicted them 
That was about a month or two ago. And they, I guess they didn't expect though those people that they alleged back then, which we still ain't heard nothing else about since those indictments was issued, no been no trial or whatnot. Um, but they answered the indictment and got lawyers and said, oh, we want to go into discovery phase. Let's see the evidence. Again, an indictment is not evidence. All he did is lay out some allegations. We ain't seen no evidence. So all you people that said, see, this is proof. Indictments and what have you. Oh, that's not how how a system based on justice is supposed to work, is it? Just indicting someone and charging them with a crime is not proof of a crime. So we, you know, again, you know, it'd just be interesting to see how all this plays out. Now, as I mentioned, speaking of emails, and, and again, if you have any questions to comment, the telephone number is 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. It's star, star to unmute yourself. Please watch your background noise. Now, speaking of emails, it was revealed in congressional hearings, it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday, that all of Hillary Clinton's 30,000 emails that she had on her private server except for four of them were routed through unauthorized sources but yet she escaped indictment didn't she okay classified information um documents or emails marked classified marked secret and a few of them marked marked top secret okay and all of these were routed through unauthorized sources which is kind of a misnomer misnomer considering that she wasn't authorized to be operating as secretary of state on a private basement server but world i think this is wnd.com and yes it's a right wing source in you know full disclaimer but um the facts are what they are and this came out yesterday uh fbi ignored hacking of Hillary's emails by a foreign entity. Okay? So, it, it is that clip we just heard, are they talking about that? Is this what they're talking about? Did those Russian intelligence uh, agencies hack into Hillary's unauthorized server since it was so easy to do? It didn't have, it didn't have the encryption that the government email system has and remember her excuse. Oh, I didn't know how, you know, I'm an old person. And I'm paraphrasing what she said. I'm an old person. I don't know how to use a computer. I don't know how to use a laptop. That's why I was using my Blackberry. Okay? Bunch of BS. But I'm wondering. I'm wondering if what we just heard, if they're referring to her private server, which wasn't authorized in the first place, and was it crime? But this is what WND.com reports. It says, at the contentious hearing Thursday with FBI agent Peter Strozik, Representative Louis Gohmart, a Republican of Texas, revealed the FBI didn't follow up on a government watchdog's finding that nearly all of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's emails were sent to a foreign entity and this is something that's been going on again. We're in 2018. It's been going on for two years now. And it was revealed that while Hillary Clinton was in China, 
she was transmitting through that little blackberry of hers, which wasn't approved, which wasn't issued. This was her personal blackberry, all right, that she was transmitting classified information while in China. So I wonder if China, you know, might be these might be involved in this. Again, all these nations do it, so let's not act like, you know, this is not par for the course. They spy on each other all the time. Gomert, a member of the House Committee on the Judiciary, said the Intelligence Community Inspector General found an anomaly on Hillary Clinton's emails going through their private server and when they had done the for and they're talking about her private server and when they had done the forensic analysis remember she tried to wipe her server clean too remember sound that those are the actions of a guilty person so you know again this is why i don't care about no russians because they obviously don't care about hillary clinton putting the nation's security at risk. They didn't hold her accountable whatsoever. So how are you going to try to hold some Russians accountable and not hold her accountable? But anyway, it says that when they did the forensic analysis, they found that her emails, every single one except for four, we're talking about over 30,000 emails, except for four were going to an address that was not on the distribution list. It was going to an unauthorized source that was a foreign entity unrelated to Russia. So who was this foreign entity? If it wasn't a Russian, who was it? Who was Hillary Clinton working for, really? Okay, so let, let me um, see if I can cue up this audio that they have. It may play an ad, and I'm going to have to mute this ad, but... Here we go. You said earlier in this hearing you were concerned about a hostile foreign power affecting our election. Do you recall the intelligence community inspector general, Chuck McCulloch, having an investigation into an anomaly found on Hillary Clinton's emails? I do not. Well, let me reflect, refresh your recollection. The intelligence community inspector general, Chuck McCulloch, sent his investigator, Frank Rucker, along with an ICIG attorney, Jeanette McMillan, to brief you and Dean Chappelle and two other FBI personnel that I won't name at this time about an anomaly they had found on Hillary Clinton's emails that were going to and from the private unauthorized server that you were supposed to be investigating. Now, do you remember it? I remember meeting Mr. Rucker on either one or two occasions. I do not remember the specific content or discussions. Well, I'll help you with that, that too, then. Mr. Rucker reported to those of you, the four of you there, in the presence of the ICIG attorney, that they had found this anomaly on Hillary Clinton's emails going through a private server. And when they had done the forensic analysis, they found that her emails, every single one except for four, over 30,000 of them, were going to an address that was not on the distribution list. It was a compartmentalized bit of information that was sending it to an unauthorized source. 
Do you recall that? Sir, I don't. Well, but he I, went on to explain it, and, and you didn't say anything. No. You thanked him. You shook his hand. But the problem was that it was going to an unauthorized source that was a foreign entity unrelated to Russia. And from what you've said here, you did nothing more than nod and shake the man's hand when you didn't seem to be all that concerned about our national integrity of our election when it was involving Hillary Clinton. So the forensic examination was done by the ICIG, and they can document that, but you were given that information and you did nothing with it. And one of the things I found most egregious with Mr. Horowitz's testimony, and by the way, Horowitz got a call four times by someone wanting to brief him, leaving messages telling him about this, and he never returned the call. He had 500 pages of bias that he gave up, and then he threw a bone to the Democrats and said, but we can't find bias. And let me tell you, when you have text messages, Mr. Strzok, the way you do, saying the things you did, you'd been better off coming in here and say, look, that was my bias. And you kind of get around to that a little bit when you say, hey, uh, you know, everybody's got political views. Those are called biases. And we all have them. And you have come in here and said, I had no bias. And you do it with a straight face. And I watched you in the, in the private testimony you gave. And I told some of the other guys, he is really good. He's lying. He knows. We know he's lying. And he could probably pass a polygraph. It's a... All right, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave it there because they're getting into, and I don't disagree with anything he said. You know, it was later said, "Hey, this man is cheating on his wife, so he's lying to her. So how, how, why should we not assume he's lying to us?" But I mean, that's some that's some information that really isn't being focused on because we have a unobjective partisan media, and so you know. My purpose as an independent journalist is to be objective and to just bring you the facts as I find them, as, you know, bring you the truth as I know it. And the truth is, is that the biggest, the bigger scandal is involving the FBI not indicting Hillary Clinton and, and, and her use of an unauthorized private email server that put the national security at risk which again I don't care about I want the I want the uh, corporation to be dissolved because it's still practicing slavery and racism is rampant I can't tell you how many stories of racism and racist terrorist acts I have read about in just the past 24 hours I mean they're just wow man I, I, and it's always been there like other people have been saying but that's the travesty right there that's the real story, okay? Now, so I'm going to move on for that story. Let me check the board, see if we got any comments. I know Otis did post something relevant in the chat room, and this has been kept pretty quiet. Um, but when it was talking about um, Debbie Wasserman Short, uh, Swartz, 
Schultz, I'm sorry, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was the DNC chairman, who was forced to resign after, you know, the emails again, I believe it was a leak and not a hack, but I don't have any proof either way, so I'm readily admitting to you, this is just my belief, I believe it's self-rich, leaked that to WikiLeaks, and um, it was not a hack because of the DNC's not wanting to turn over their service to the FBI. I'm like, if a crime been reported, it seemed like the FBI, they was really interested in solving crime, could have subpoenaed those servers. That would have been a red, what do you, what do you mean? You're out here saying somebody hacked your email, but you won't allow us to look at, you won't allow us to examine your server so that we can fully invest. That's a red flag right there. But like Otis Post in the chat room, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was forced to resign after it showed the bias of the DNC and propping up Hillary Clinton above any and every other candidate, t- tipping the scales in her favor and what have you. But they had this Indian. Now, I don't know if he was born in India or if he was born here. I think him and his brother were from India, but. He was her IT aide, and he was recently indicted on four counts, including bank fraud and making false statements. Okay, so yeah, that that is kind of kind of related. Everybody was being sloppy with their emails and, and security and what have you. But yeah, it's Russia, 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 Russia. Okay, Russia did their job. If you made it easy for them then whose fault is that? Okay. So we do got a caller who would like to chime in. Uh, This is brother. We'll go to brother Jenna first since he was first on the board. Welcome to this uh, rare broad live broadcast of BTR news. What's on your mind, Jenna? Greetings, Scotty. How are you this evening? Hey, I'm doing the best I can under these circumstances. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Which all of us are. I was wondering, man, because of what you're talking about, I've been checking out uh, CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. I, I check out all of those uh, broadcasts. And what I, I was really want to know what your opinion was on this uh, on this interview to where all of these people was uh, talking to the, uh, not Comey, but the, the guy that was there prior to him and how they how they was attacking him. I feel like they were telling the truth and in true racist uh, format, you know, when you go against what they deem as their sacred uh, nature, you know, you giving out their secrets. They treated him as if he was an enemy. And I found it hilarious, me, myself. You know, it was a lot of truth being told, and I think it was all based off of emotions. They didn't really mean to say some of the things that they said as far as, like, uh, how how the FBI and uh, the judicial system is, is set up to uh, mis- – they didn't say to mistreat us, but everything that they was talking about was in uh, in context to how they have mistreated us, whether we're talking about COINTERPRO – or, or any of the other uh hey, hey, Jenna, real quick man that they done had so what was what is your opinion on how they came about because i I've talked to a few uh black people 
and they have sympathy for this guy when I know for a fact if he's been in there for uh, I think it was 25 years or something like that maybe a little more a little less but if he's been in there for 25 years he's constantly constantly had his uh, hand on the post of what they have been doing to us throughout those decades plus. So what is your uh, thoughts and opinions on uh, how they treated him? And do you have any sympathy for the way that they treated and talked to him based off of uh, him going against the grain of white supremacy? With that being said, I'm putting myself on mute if you can as well, and I continue listening. Thank you. I have no sympathy whatsoever for racist suspects, regardless of the circumstances or the situation. I have no, because of all the reasons that you mentioned. I'm very well read on COINTELPRO, uh, actually shared an excellent um, a video that um, AJ Plus, I think is the name of the media company that put it out, where they were talking about the Black Panther Party and their survival programs and and then talked about how COINTELPRO made it all about them and their guns that they were using for self-defense, but weren't really reporting on their sickle cell anemia programs, their food pantries, their free health clinics, and and just so so yes yes somebody like Comey for example you've been there 20 30 years you were part of those Cointel Pro operations i know one of the uh victims of the uh move family the move family founded by John Africa in Philadelphia Pennsylvania the FBI gave the Philadelphia police C4 to bomb the house that these people were in. Okay? So I I don't have any sympathy. Any hostility that they was directing was along political partisan lines. Okay? It, they they weren't criticizing him for for any other things, incorrect things that the FBI doing. They just criticizing him because the FBI didn't prosecute one of their political enemies, which is Hillary Clinton, and has been mainly focusing on their guy, Donald Trump. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't have any sympathy. And that's just the media. A lot of us, we fall for the media programming, and most of the left-wing media programming has been holding up these guys as part of the resistance to Donald Trump. Okay? That so it's not surprising although it is sad that people fall for the program and these people aren't heroes. These people these people are criminals. All right? They're criminals. So I hope I answered your question. Otis, I saw you unmuted yourself before I move on to the next story. Did you have something that you wanted to add? Did you want to elaborate on what you posted in the chat room? Your mic is open. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, Scotty? Good program so far. All I wanted to say is uh, a lot of these investigations don't go the way they should because they're interconnected. That's why I put uh, Anwar's information up. He, he was an IT guy for Debbie Wasserman Schultz. But you got to remember, Schultz was also the lady in charge of the DNC 
Right. Who, when Hillary did the program to take over all the contributions and funnel them back to her campaign. Money Remember laundering. That? Right. So, but she also was stealing from state level and all of the rest of the contributions. In other words, the states were collecting donations, sending it back to headquarters, the main ones with Donna Brazil and Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And then none of the money went back to the states. It, it all was funneled to Hillary's campaign. But the interesting part was the Pakistani who was doing the IT Oh, he was work Pakistani, not Washington. Indian? Yeah. Okay. He, yeah, he's Pakistani. He was the one that also was doing IT work for about 10 other top Democratic congressmen. He had the contract to do it all. The interesting thing was with, with I believe that the three the three the thirty thousand emails were also being collected by him, and I believe that he is a Pakistani spy. Oh, that that's a good point, that. Otis. Pardon that's me? a good point. Maybe that's who Gomer's talking about. This unidentified national that, entity. And let me tell you why. Yeah. What ended up happening is when they he when he realized he was being tracked. He sent his family out of the country first, but he went and took a $300,000 loan mortgage on his home. So they stopped his wife on the way out of the country with over $200,000 of that money. And then he tried to wire $300,000 later. That's when the FBI went in and, and took him into custody. But when they took him into custody, they found smashed hard drives in his home. Now, so they couldn't get much information off of those. But then when one of the computers couldn't be found, they went into the congressional chambers and found one stashed in Wasserman Schultz in a crevice in her office. That's how she came to the public domain. And I'm telling you this, you know if the main money handler is Wasserman Schultz, directly connected to the Clinton campaign, that probably was the source of the leaks, is what I'm saying. They won't tell you that, but I'm I, after sitting in the, in the military for a long time with a, with a top secret security clearance, they leak what they want to try to control the narrative. But I believe that the Pakistanis were the ones who had the drop on them with all of that information. And, and I mean, Otis, and I had a top security clearance as well, um, for a time when I was in the when I was in uh, the U.S. Army due to the nature of my job in there, but it seems to me then if you're taking national sec- if you're so concerned about national security, why would you hire a foreign national in a key IT position like that? That don't make no kind of sense to me, and I don't think that's, it's because of incompetence. I think it's for nefarious reasons. That's exactly what I'm saying, Scotty. Just like I'll give you an interesting one, I'll throw it to a sideline and I'll mute myself. If you'll notice, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rachel Maddow just came out with a long segment talking about the sleepers that the Russians had put here, a spy, the spy network. Remember when they put all of those Russians out of the country under Obama? Went to all of the, the, the diplomatic uh, houses, safe houses, and put those Russians out? They were connected to a, a couple that actually originated in Canada, and they had been watching them for 20 years. So I'm saying to you that one of the reasons the FBI did not tell the information is because they got that information through the NSA. They were already monitoring uh, what was going on, 
And that's how this country does. As long as they're getting valuable information, they won't shut down the spy. They control right, right, the right. narrative rather than stop the spying, thinking that they have the upper hand. And I think with the, the, my point is Democrats and the Republicans are dirty. They're playing a trick with us with the with this public display, but both sides of that political apparatus are dirty. If you notice, seven Republicans just went to Russia and sit down and, and had a, a meeting with the Russians that they haven't told us exactly what it's for, but it was six congressmen and one female senator. So if you're, if you're the ones hollering about the Russians are doing wrong, why would you send a congressional delegation to sit down with them? We're right. not being told the whole truth. All of these people are crooked. And we're never told. The public is never told the entire truth. It's up to to independent analysts to try to analyze this information and break it down and then relay it to the public. So thank you for uh, your contribution. Very relevant information. All right. Um, I'm going to jump on these other two stories after the top of the hour. We're coming up on the top of the hour. Again, the main two stories that I want to focus on. And let me let me pull up my Twitter poll right quick. Um, if y'all will bear with me. Let me go to my Twitter poll. Uh, Papa John Shatner, the founder of Papa John. Again, the news is that he's been forced out from the board of directors. He was already forced out as the president or CEO of the company, but now he's been forced out the company entirely because he used the N-word on a conference call. And But I put up a poll today. This is the main story that I really, really, really want to talk about. Let me um, see if I can get to that poll right quick. Uh, the FBI, this is the poll. If the FBI is reopening the Emmett Till murder case, should they also be looking into the murders that Papa John Shatner claims happened in his hometown in Indiana where he said black people were dragged to death behind trucks? So, real quick on that, if you Google that, most of the stories, because I had not bookmarked the Forbes article that I read this month when I where he where I first read about those comments about black people being lynched by trucks and him claiming to have knowledge of that. Okay, most of the articles that I've read just prior to trying to put something together for um, this BTR News live program today. They're leaving out that part. They're only talking about the part where he said, hey, Colonel Sanders called black people niggers. And he didn't have to try to distance himself or, or anything like that. That's what they're focusing on. And they're leaving out the part. I looked at the BBC. I looked at an article on NBC, ABC, and they're leaving that part out. You had to go to the Forbes article, which I have posted in BTR community to get that. And that's that's the question that I'm asking. Because really, not just what was happening in Jeffersonville, Indiana, which I'm sure is, is named after the racist, pedophile, terrorist, uh, slaver, Thomas Jefferson. But these things didn't just happen, I'm sure, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. They have been happening all over the United States. I bet you there's a bunch of these cases that the FBI could be looking into. And it just makes you think, though, you know, and, and not to pick on Barack Obama, 
we can say Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton. We even talk about Jimmy Carter. Okay, why haven't they appointed a special, um, in, just like this Mueller investigation? Why haven't they set up a task force into solving these acts of racial? terrorism and, I, and I'm reminded what Barack Obama said one time we don't want to look backwards we want to look forward darn that that ain't how justice supposed to work in this country so I will be sharing those articles with you but uh, real quick y'all may have heard about the story of the 92 year old man visiting his family in Los Angeles, California, from Mexico. He was not here, quote unquote, illegally. He was here legally visiting his Mexican-American family members when he was assaulted by a woman who beat him with a brick, broke several bones in his face, including his jaw. Um, Then she lied and said that he tried to kidnap or touch her child out on the public sidewalk now right there with the mother standing next to you she went and told these four guys that he inappropriately touched uh, the child or tried to kidnap the child and they jumped on this old man this elderly man old man sounds kind of disrespectful but jumped on this elderly man nearly killed this man I just knew when I read that story that it was going to be one of these racist white terrorists. As it turns out, it was a 30-year-old black woman. And this is just in line with videos that I have been making about practicing justice. And why I like to play that clip by Neely Fuller Jr. for those counter-racists that follow him Practicing justice shouldn't have nothing to do with a person's skin color. And I would just paraphrase by saying national origin or what language they speak. Wrong is wrong, no matter who does it. And I was just so, I was just so, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Disappointed that it turned out to be a black woman. But I'm not surprised because as I did videos about Afro Synergy and T West and the man they call Uncle the the real life Uncle Ruckus, Jesse Lee Peterson, recycling information from the nineties, talking about some Hispanic Latino gangs attacking black people in Los Angeles. This was going on in the nineties and what have you. And I was like, man. Some of us black folks is sounding just like these racist, white, terrorist crackers out here being all xenophobic and and whatnot and don't even see the intersectionality of what's being done to these refugees slash migrants slash immigrants and how the same thing is being done to the people from Haiti and other African uh, nations, although Haiti ain't in Africa, is in the Caribbean and what have you. And how it's all, it's all related. It's all connected. Not to mention who's profiting the private prison enslavers 
who have in the past and will in the future use all that money they making off of the enslavement of these refugees to pass even more legislation to target black folks and other non-white people, quote unquote, Americans to throw us into slavery, modern day slavery via the 13th Amendment. I'm just so disgusted, so disappointed. And I had a person comment on one of my social media threads saying, but Scotty, with all due, they said, with all due respect, Mr. Reed, Latinos are attacking black people in Los Angeles. And I'm paraphrasing what they said. What does that have to do? Again, and I put a video out, that's recycled information from the 90s. And it was Latino or Hispanic gangs. Okay. And you just really sound like to me when white people talk about the crime that happens, the quote unquote black on black crime that happens in our community. Oh, those black people are all criminals and gangsters and look at Chicago. They, they killing each other and all this and that. And, you know, anybody can play the racial showcasing game and make it one group label a group criminals. This is not how I get down. That's not how I, I roll. First of all, my number one teacher, my mother, did not raise me to be that way. She raised me to treat people how I want to be treated. Number two, when I started studying Malcolm X, that's not how that's not what I learned from Malcolm X. Okay? And that's not that just doesn't line up with justice in practicing justice. So I, you know, I had made a couple of videos on that. And it's just it's just so disgusting. And I think this is because we as black people as a group have lived so long in this racist country that we have absorbed racist work uh, ways, racist practices through osmosis or whatever term you want to come up with. We are becoming the enemy. We are adopting his ways. But just putting it, but just using those practices to quote unquote benefit black people. Well, I don't want to benefit from the mistreatment of nobody. Not a single person. And, you know, also another story before I go to break. Somebody tried to get me banned from Facebook. Not that I would care because we got btrcommunity.com. I said when Donald Trump was kicking these immigrants out of the U.S. military, and I did several, I, I mean, excuse me, I served with several immigrants who weren't U.S. citizens. Most, most of them was from the Caribbeans, from the islands. Did basic training with, with a couple of, of them and what have you, talked to them, got to know them, you know what I'm saying? Good. One of the few good experiences I had in the U.S. military was being able to, to um, break bread with black people from other parts of the world, okay? But I said, it's a good thing that he's kicking these immigrants out. And I hope he started kicking black Americans out too. And I hope he started kicking Hispanic Americans out too. Because you know what? 
These racist white terrorists need to be fighting their own wars. I wish I knew what I know now back when I was 20 years old and joined the U.S. Army. I'd have found another way to got to get college money and to see, you know, parts of the world and what have you. So that that's how I feel about it. We ain't benefiting from the empire. Like, and we shouldn't want to benefit from the subjugation and mistreatment of other people in these other nations. So that's all I got to say about that matter. Um, when we come back on the other side of the break, if you have any questions or comments about what we, what I just shared with you, you are more than welcome to. But then we're going to get into this Emmett Teal case being reopened, his murder case. Ain't none of those murderers still alive. They're all dead. And what is there to investigate when they all confess? And it's all written up. It, I mean, it was published in national media publications and what have you. They were proud of what they had done, defending the virtue of the white woman. So we're going to take a look at that. I think that's Jeff Sessions as he's dismantling affirmative action uh, initiatives that was put in place by Eric Holder. One of the good things to come out of the Obama administration as it relates to black Americans. He's dismantling that, but I guess he called himself throwing us a bone, you know, Oh, we're going to reopen this 50, 60 year old case might be 70 years now. I think that woman might be in her eighties pushing 90 or, or something like that, man. What man? Why? Now, if you really want to, address some racist terrorism, why don't you assign a task force, bring in a, a suspected racist, I haven't heard him say anything blatantly racist, just speaking in code, so I'll call him suspected, I haven't confirmed that he's a racist, but I strongly suspect he is, but Papa John Shatner saying, hey, back in the day in Jefferson, Illinois, uh, Indiana, they used to drag black people to their deaths behind trucks. This man ain't but five years, no, four years, no, five years older than me. He's still in his 50s, so those people he talking about still alive. And I wonder if he played a role in those lynchings by trucks, by motor vehicle. So you want to impress me? Yeah, investigate that. You're listening to BTR News on the Black Talk Radio Network. I rarely do live programs anymore because I stay so busy trying to assist the other um, stations and programs on the network. But you can definitely subscribe to my podcast. I do put out podcasts, so you can subscribe to those right there on the Black Talk. Just subscribe to the entire network. Lots of good information and programming coming out from the various host and station managers on the network. So if you just subscribe to blacktalkradionetwork.com, you'll get an email alert whenever something is published. All right. So we'll be back on the other side. Thank you for listening.
because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean in, you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that or what so-called nationality you have. Like a lot of people say that they take pride in being an Englishman or take pride in being a Frenchman or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything. And, And waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people, and you've got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News on this Friday evening. And I forgot to add about the story about the uh, Mexican 92-year-old elderly man being almost beaten to death with a brick. And then, you know, those guys being lied to. And I'm not making an excuse for them either, but I can understand their mindset. Oh, he, he, he tried to molest that little girl. Let's get him. You know, I, I can understand in the heat of the moment them doing that, but uh, if all of that went down, then why did everybody run when, you know, for the police got there? Well, wouldn't you say, hey, I'm holding this criminal for you? You know what I'm saying? I'm making a citizen's arrest. Why did you run? You know, but I forgot to mention, and again, this is why I say we're taking on the characteristics of these white racists in this country. The black woman, 30 years old, said to this man, Go back to your country. Why don't you go back to your country? Where'd she get that from? Huh? Think she caught up in this hype that Don, this hysteria that Donald Trump has created? I think so. It's just ignorant. It's just very disappointed. And that's why we need to bring back the political education classes that the Black Panther Party used to give. We don't have we don't have that stuff anymore, okay? Um, but we should be doing it with our own family members, especially our, our our children, so they don't grow up to be proxies of a racist system, thinking that we have something in common with these racist white slavers. No, I have nothing in common with them. All right, so let me check the board real quick, and then we'll get into this story about. Um, Emmett Till and then these lynching, knowledge of lynchings that Papa John Shatner claims he knows, but it seems we do have a caller on the board. Looks like this is uh, Brother Ross, and I forgot to mention, 
uh, Brother Jenna is a host of Real Life Radio, which airs on the Black Talk Radio Network every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. And we have his co-host on the line, Brother Ross, is, is uh, wanting to chime in. Uh, what's, what's good with you, Brother Ross? Go ahead. Hey, peace and love to you, Brother Scotty. Um, peace to Brother Otis, uh, of course, my partner Jenna and all the other calls and listeners. Um, great program, Brother. Um, I wonder if that sister was on, on the Aboriginal kick because what I'm finding is that, because this isn't new, like black people um, taking on the characteristics of the colonizer is nothing new. I remember Dr. Ben used to say it all the time. He's like, I don't care who the person is. I don't care what they do, what what they do to fight the system, every person is infected with this system. On the cows, they would call it, they used to use a phrase, deactivate the white chip. Um, and what it is is that we have, and it's funny because I posted, excuse me, I posted a video from this brother. He he has some pretty good content. It's um the, the advice show media. And he had posted something called tribalism is more important to black Americans than liberation. And he had a brief excerpt and he said, everyone who wants to be anything but a black person shares a common bond. We don't have the luxury to be tribalistic at this point. Once we are truly liberated, then we can go get going to tribalism. And what I thought was powerful about that is because that's what causes the major issues with us. Cause you have a bunch of people of our people who believe that they're Hebrew. And if, those who don't believe they're Hebrew, screw them. I don't care about them. They have nothing to do with me. Then you have the Aboriginal. If you don't believe in the Aboriginal thing and you don't follow that ideology, I don't care about none of y'all. I don't care who, whether you look like me. You could be my family. If you're not on the Aboriginal thing I'm on, you can go too. Then you have, um, you know, the Moors, same thing. And it's just these different groups, just groups and groups and groups of people who are willing to discard and turn on everyone else if they don't follow whatever specified ideology that um, that particular group has. Now, what, when it comes to dealing with other people from other countries, that's just black people, like you said, taking on the, the, the white supremacist ideology. And that's why I wondered if she was on the aboriginal thing, because they don't believe that, um, from what I've heard from them, they don't believe that these quote-unquote... Um, illegal immigrants should be here either they're very um some of them are very callous in regards to the things that have been happening to these people um as far as the the detainment and the enslavement of these um the, i call them refugees because they're not they're not illegal immigrants these people are refugees and um all of those things are just byproducts of us it's one thing to 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 assimilate to the system in regards to survival. You understand the system you live in, you do the things that are necessary to survive, you understand you're a prisoner of war, and you function in that capacity if you have to deal with the colonizer or any, any other aspect of the colonizer, whether it's a slave catcher or whoever it is. But when you assimilate to the system in such a way in which you literally only view a small niche of the entire group of your own people, and say, these people who are on this particular ideology that I believe in, they're okay with me, and you can do whatever you want with the rest of them. That is exactly what white folks do. Like, if you really think about it, all of the terrorism they visited on us, they perfected on their own first. So they're no less tribal than we are. The difference is they collectively understood that they needed to create wealth. That's why I posted that article on the, the, um, 
the 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 history, the origin of the slave trade that you were commenting. Yeah, on that was a, they, that was an excellent uh, video, by the way, and it even touched thanks, upon man. the tribalism in Africa that allowed you know the Absolutely. Arabs and the Europeans to come up in there. Absolutely, and what it what it is is that when you think about these 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 ways of functioning, the only group that has been able to get past their tribalism in a way in which they were able to dominate the entire planet are white people. They're the only group that's been able to do that. So when you really think about Dr. Wilson and, and Neely Fuller, um, Mr. Neely Fuller talking about genetic annihilation and, and these people coalescing around that, that whole ideology and that understanding after they, they had their first and only global expansion um, to, to discover, quote-unquote, other parts of the world and realize that the overwhelming majority of the world is now white, um, they were the only group that came to this consensus and understood that, hey, for us to, to because um, even in the video she talked about that, they needed the quickest, most expeditious way to accumulate wealth and not have to pay anybody. And that's really what started right. the slave trade for what she was, you know, brilliantly stating, showing in the video, was just basically that's what it is. And the thing is, because non-white people did not come from that kind of deprived, cold, foreboding, um, non-conducive to survival environment, we were, we were the equal and opposite antithesis in mentality to the way that they thought. So as a result, we didn't develop the same. And if we can take a page out of their book, because I've always said this, whenever you, and I've, I've seen this, my wife has talked about this, she's worked for, for white Jews for, for a long time, I've worked for white Jews and I've seen it too. If they have, if they're doing something underhanded to another business and they find out that the owner of that business is Jewish, they cease and desist immediately. They do not violate another Jew, ever. I don't care if it's an Ashkenazi and Sephardim, Sephardic. They, I, I've seen it on all aspects as far as the Jewish thing, white well, Jewish well, thing is concerned. Well, uh, let me say this, though, Ross, as um, mm -hmm. a counterpoint to what you just said. Mm -hmm. The Ethiopian, Sephardic, uh, non-white Jews mm -hmm. in Israel are suffering white supremacy by the Ask Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi, emphasis yep. on Nazi Jews that yes. came from Europe. Absolutely. What I'm talking about is white Jews. I'm not talking because, you, like you just said, you have Ethiopian Jews, you have um, Colchian Jews from India. You got Chinese Jews. I'm specifically speaking about white Jews. And you're talking you about know, the ones I've here actually, in America, right? That you've observed. Yes, the ones in America that I've observed. That whenever they come across each other in a business setting, and they and they practice a lot of underhanded business tactics, but when they come across each other, they do not violate. And I've seen it where black people are having an argument in public, and if a white person stops to partake in that argument. One of those black people is going to try and convince the white person to take their side, so they have what they would consider the more power in the argument. We don't set aside our differences to get rid of the white person and then go back to arguing, which is what the brother was saying in the video. If none of these things are conducive to us solving the problem, I really don't want to hear about it, which is what I was saying from the very beginning when all that crazy stuff came up with all of the different ideologies that were separating us at point, different points in times on the network. I said, none of this stuff is going to solve the problem. Why don't we solve the problem first, and then you can do whatever you want to do at that point. Once we are no longer dominated in that way, then you can go live your life the way you see fit, and I can live my life the way I see fit if I don't agree, and that's it. But for some reason, we, we have been so inculcated 
with this 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 concept of um, tribalism. Just I mean, on every level, whether it's colorism um, and all the other isms that I named before, and you can add a thousand more to those. We right. have to just understand that if we can focus on one thing, yeah. what is the problem? Right. White supremacy, human trafficking, slavery. We're going to focus on those things, solve that those problems first, and then after that. We can work on all the other things that we argue about that are incidental and have no value in regards to ending the system that we're dealing with, that we've been struggling with for over 500 years. That is all it's about. And until we come to that consensus, you can talk about, like you said, you can talk about, you know, oh, the Latinos are killing black people. Well, black people doing doing the same thing to Latinos, too. We all do it. And like you said, we can all pull stories and make up an entire ideology around, you know, hating and disrespecting another group of people. Every group of people has ignorant, um, uh, 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 violently, you know, oppressive members in their group. It's about the, the major collective that understand the real issues working to get the problem solved but you have to coalesce around what the problem is the problem isn't being hebrew it's not being aboriginal it's not being a moor it's not colorism it's it's the system we're dealing with and until we can do that and i think that's the success of this system is it keeps us so caught up in all this crap that it doesn't mean anything we can't focus on the real issue and with that i'll mute myself and just say uh, thanks for a brilliant show good brother yeah. All right. Thank, thank you for your input. No way, um, that. Uh, Ross. Uh, Jenna, give me, give me just a Go second, ahead, Jenna. I, I'll unmute you in just a second, Jenna. I know you have a comment, but I want to follow up on some things. Or well, one point that Ross made about Dr. Welsing and in fear of genetic annihilation. Uh, Donald Trump had a Welsing moment as he is in Europe being uh, protested <laughs> against, but he told Europeans that that immigration hurts their culture or destroys their culture. That's a well-seen moment. What, what he's saying is, you let these Africans come up in here, the next thing you know, you'll be having mixed-race babies, and, and then, then, you know, uh, you're going to be annihilated. You're going to be bred out off the planet. So I did take note of Donald Trump's well-seen moment in addressing uh, racist suspects in Europe and telling them to yeah y'all right to do what I'm doing here in the United States so yeah uh, I did want to uh, mention that but uh, we got another caller Jenna um, 813 will come to you after Jenna Jenna did you want to chime back in one of the co-hosts and producers uh, of Real Life Radio yes uh, greetings to all of the callers and the listeners, but uh, I've already spoken. Uh, it it will be uh, very pristine if you go ahead on and take the other caller since I already done a call. Now I, I just wait my moment. Uh, okay, so all right, appreciate that. Okay, eight one three eight one three. Thank you for calling in to Hello? BTR News. Yes. Hello. Yes, we hear you. You can hear me. Yes, we can. Okay. Well, I've been listening in, you know, for uh, the most part of the broadcast on the topics of the um, Hillary Clinton and the server, uh, the resurrection of the Emmett Hill case, uh, the immigration issues, and all these other topics that are on the um, top plate right now. And basically, uh, just to give my uh, opinion or take on it, uh, we as black people, we've been in this country for over 400 years, 
uh, we've come for the fire and we're still, you know, walking on coals right now. And our position is always so precarious, you know. It's like we are trying to uh, struggle and hold ourselves up and keep ourselves going. And there's always, you know, some racist uh, plot or some racist uh, things that are happening on a daily basis. And all these issues about wild blacks, swimming wild black, driving wild black, walking wild black, walking wild black. And the races, you know, they're just uh, nice inventing anything new, it's just a reinvention of, you know, previous uh, racist conduct that they have targeted us with. And on that particular issue, I, I think there should be, um, whereby black people just stop taking these lame apologies from these people and press a class action lawsuit of racial discrimination because they are really um, making, taking advantage of or misusing our rights, you know, to peaceful coexistence here and our right to um, do and go and as we please as American citizens, you know. They've just um, taken advantage, you know, of our rights here, as they always have in America. So I don't know why we continue to just let things go. But this is time we should be rising up more so ever than before. And I just feel that uh, the immigration issue, well, that's really not our fight. Because, again, we are always on pins and needles ourselves. And if our house is on fire and we got a little bucket of water, we need to throw it on our own house first. I'm not against, you know, uh, people coming because they're escaping from the terrorism going on in your own country. I'm not uh, for kids being separated from parents. I sympathize with them. I empathize with them. Not only that's because a lot of us as black people we have been terrorized so much in this country. We know the pain. We know the suffering. So we can empathize with these people. But other than that, there's really nothing else we can do for them. We don't have shelter for them. We don't have resources for them. We can't give them anything short of uh, just our sympathy and our empathy there. So for us to um, kind of run to the border like Al Sharpton and some of these other uh, so-called, um, you know, black liberals and thinking we can do anything about it, but I think that's just a political show there, you know, for the benefit of uh, saying, hey, look at me. I am, uh, you know open to whatever the white man says I need to do here, all right? So, yeah, they have a place in this country because they were here, you know, prior to the white man themselves. They got kicked out, you know, through that war down in Texas, the Mexican, uh, what was that war they did in Texas there? Um, I know what part of Texas that was. But anyway, I know they were here first, okay? They have some rights in this country, parts of this country as well. But for me, in my house, I got to take care of me and my house first, you know, and I know there are some um, affiliations are, are coming together with other groups in this country. For most part, I think in the major cities like Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, where people are a lot more, I think, diversity and have a chance to encounter and live among each other, get to know each other. Yeah, there are affiliations that are going on, you know, in those types of uh, living environments. So I'm not against uh, immigrants. I'm not against any of that. I just think we need to take care of us first, okay. basically. All right. Well, so thank you. That's what I have to say. All right. Well, thank you for your comments. Jenna, before I come to you, let me address some of what she said. We have a program that comes on every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time called New Abolitionist Radio. You might want to check out our last program if you think what, if, if you believe what's happening to them has no impact on us and it's not our, not our fight. We launched the New Abolitionist Movement six years ago, and it is a very diversified um, movement. 
It's a movement not just made up of black people, but Hispanic people, Native Americans, um, white people. And we're all calling ourselves abolitionists because we're against modern day slavery and human trafficking. As I stated earlier, all of that money that's being pumped into the private prisons to put these people into concentration camps, that money is being used. And I will point to the recent uh, DA race that was in San Diego County where we had a black woman running for to be D, DA who acknowledged publicly that slavery was never abolished, that this isn't mass incarceration we're dealing with. This is slavery as prescribed by the 13th Amendment. And the private prison company, Geo Group, which is making billions of dollars right now, poured a bunch of money into that campaign to get the Republican pro-slaver white woman elected, and she was elected. So there is intersectionality. I come, I I follow, I have a, a bunch of people that I study, okay? And I take what I can use from each of them. I'm not always in agreement with everything that's been said uh, or that they said, but one of the things going back to what Ross was talking about, that tribalism, that's one of the things that Malcolm X was working on. And by the way, he was murdered as a result of tribalism. Um, But that's one of the things he was working on, on bringing an end to was tribalism in the black community. When he founded the organization for Afro-American unity it was a non-religious organization made up of, of Muslims, Christians, atheists, and what have you, men, women, young people, and what have you, to end that tribalism. And one of the things he said about us as black people is we've been so brainwashed, and he was talking about American, uh, Afro-Americans, not you know Caribbean-Americans or Africans on the continent, He's, he was talking about us here behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. He said, the American Negro has become so brainwashed that he does not see himself as part of, as he should, the oppressed people of the world. Now, when, when you say that there's nothing we could do for these refugees that's come, there's plenty that we can do whatever we can do. If a person believes in participating in these protests at ICE and whether or not we think it's going to work or it's going to do anything to change public policy, that person is doing all, perhaps all that they know they they can do or they can do to oppose an element of slavery, an element of racism, white supremacy in this country. So I don't have any criticism for them whatsoever they doing whatever and in al sharptons and all of them now we know that they gatekeepers of the system so we don't even need to bring bring them up okay but any of these individuals like the african woman an immigrant herself fleeing the violence in the congo which again white supremacists created that violence and that tri- and exploiting the tribalism in the Congo when she scaled the Statue of Liberty she saw herself in her situation and what's being done to these refugees who are fleeing 
destabilized regions created really by us in part because we pay taxes into this system. We support the CIA. We support the FBI. We support the United States military. That's why I speak out so much as a, as a veteran in preventing my children and any young person that I have influence over in not helping these races do what they do. And you are correct in stating that most of these people and we're talking about their ancestors. We're not talking about them personally. Yes, Texas was part of Mexico. So was most of California. This was all, all of these indigenous or aboriginal people were in those areas. We need to also acknowledge and not try to sweep under the rug our role in it. I used to be very proud of the Buffalo Soldiers. I was stationed at Fort Huachuca. That's where a lot of the Buffalo soldiers were stationed. Who are the Buffalo soldiers? Former victims of slavery who fought in the Civil War to get freedom for themselves and other uh, victims of slavery, staying in the United States military and being then being deployed by the U.S. government to remove Native people, the people already occupying those lands from those lands. That is behavior that we need to change in ourselves. It's not all of us, but the West was not won by white people and guns. The West was won by the Buffalo soldiers who protected these white settlers as they were settling on stolen land, land that was again stolen but them themselves weren't even permitted to have. This was like Martin Luther King talking about the free land that these peasants was given and why he was saying, y'all need to pay us reparations. So I agree with you, and that's what I was thinking about when you said we don't need to accept their apology. No, we shouldn't accept their apology unless it's with a reparation check. Then it means something because now you're putting some concrete action behind your apology. Otherwise, you're just uttering some words that don't mean anything. But, you know, this is this is just my worldview. I ain't trying to push my worldview on anyone. But based on me knowing and reading this history and acknowledging how we have become Americanized and helped these Americans spread imperialism and white supremacy all over the planet we we got to check ourselves on that and we got to change our, our behavior okay uh, and I'll come to Jenna just a minute Jenna I was kidnapped as a soldier in Hawaii by some native Hawaiians and they told me you're part of an occupying force you're wearing that uniform of our oppressor who came over here and stole our land. That that was one of the beginning of beginnings of my political awakening and looking at things from a worldview and not just a black perspective. I allowed myself to be used by these white people to practice racism and steal people's land. Jenna, did you you have Jenna? 
hold, hold up real quick. Let me take a short station identification break, and then we'll come to you. And we got to get into these articles about not so much the Emmett Till cause it's garbage. They ain't trying to indict nobody. Ain't nobody left to indict unless you're going to indict that old white woman who probably got dementia and don't even remember what happened any doggone way. So I don't know what Jeff Session called himself doing with that, but this John, this Papa John Shatner talking about black people being lynched behind trucks in Jeffersonville, Indiana, that needs to be investigated. But you're listening to a rare live broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. Please check out my podcast under Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed on the Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back with uh, Jenna's comments on the other side of this break. If I can get my system to act right. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back. Welcome back to BTR News Live in I do recognize that I do speak with a lot of passion sometimes and forcefully, but I hope that our last caller doesn't think that I was, you know, trying to chastise her or anything. I understand sometimes I may come across that way. You are more than welcome uh, to your views, and I'm not I'm not in disagreement with most of what what you said. I was just offering another perspective, but we do welcome your input so don't think that your views aren't welcome here but we are going you know to just hash the stuff out and in in dialogue on these issues jenna thank you for waiting patiently what's on your mind all right can you hear me clearly yes i can all right all right thank you for taking my call once again uh man uh you have brought up a lot of uh, interesting views and, and have created a whole lot of uh, suggestion up in, up in my mind about what we're going to discuss. Shameless plug real quick. Do you mind, Brother Scotty? Say that again, Jenna. I said shameless plug. Do you, do you mind? Well, I've been plugging you throughout the program, so no, I don't mind. I, 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 I <laughs> yes, I have I have been well aware of that, and and I appreciate that. Uh, for all of you that are listening, we will be on uh, Tuesday evening, uh, nine o'clock p.m. to eleven o'clock p.m. or or later. Uh, never sure throughout call the time. This call call but, recording uh, off. One one of the things that I wanted to discuss was the uh, the context. The context uh, when we're talking about these things, we tend to uh, brother rise my partner. Uh, a shout out to you, brother rise. 
we what when we get onto these type of programs, we tend to uh, tune out what's going on in our personal lives. We we forget about the. Uh, I mean, for for some of us, we have white people who help us out, uh, make things a lot easier for us. We have other brothers and sisters, black people, that make things a lot easier for us. We never bring those things up. But we, but we get into a context. Uh, I was on a phone call earlier. Uh, I called into uh, Fox News, and and it was a white lady who just happened to be. Uh, but it was a white woman, and you know that that's the first thing that she brought up. Uh, she was making herself to be a minority. And I was like, I'm looking at you, and you look like a white woman. You know, you you don't look like Tammy Sosa before he started doing all of the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, before he started doing all of the uh, skin bleaching stuff. So Hispanic is not a ethnicity. No, it's you not. Look like it's a, a white language. Person. You're speaking from a white person's perspective, and. The reason I bring that up is because we get into these conversations and we, a lot of us tend to say what we think other black people want to hear. That's the first thing that we do wrong. We don't, we don't be true to ourselves. We don't think about, when we get into the context of these discussions, we don't discuss what we feel most of the time because we feel that we have to uh, accommodate every other black person that's in the world. Truth be told, every other black person in the world doesn't feel like you feel. That's just the truth. Some of those black people that you are dealing with have no interest in how you was brought up, the things that you went through, or the things that you are currently going through. So we have to stop that. We, we have to stop that. The issues that's forefront for us as black people, whether you are Hispanic, uh, Caribbean, American, uh, English, and when I say English, I mean coming from... Uh, Britain. Coming from Britain, you know... Uh, or even Africa, whatever part of the uh, world that you're coming from, all of these things tie together. We all look alike. We all don't tend to think alike, though. So when you get into a room or a program to where you have like-minded people, you don't have to hide yourself. Some of the things that I have heard tonight, I don't know if the people who have said them realized that they were conforming to make the point of somebody else, but that's what I have heard. We see things on a different level. If you make a certain amount of money, you do certain things. If you... uh if you're getting mistreated on a certain level, you see different things. Point in question. 
I went to the uh, I went to a local Waffle House, and this white lady, she could have been Hispanic, because for whatever reason people think that's the ethnicity. She could have been Hispanic. She was drunk off of her rocker, and she was looking to cause some problems. Well, around here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm from, police get beat up. When they bust up on a uh, situation and they ain't got their guns drawn, they get beat up. That's just something that happens around here. Ain't nobody around this area is willing. Well, I ain't going to say nobody, but most people around this area are not willing to be uh, subjugated to somebody else's uh, demand. So if you don't have your gun drawn as an officer, you might catch those hands and whatever else they have with you, and which, which could be some bullets or what have you. So this lady called the police on me, another young brother, a, a brother that was younger than me, and a white guy. And just like Brother Ross was talking about, the brother that I was speaking to was kind of siding with the white guy until I started telling him about the history because we tend, another thing that we tend to do is to focus on the symptoms of what has happened throughout all of this time that we have been enslaved, uh, mistreated, and all of that. He started to do that, and when I started to tell him, well, you know why this particular thing has happened, it kind of slid him away from the white guy. That's not what I was trying to do. I was just giving him the facts of why he felt like that, how those circumstances came about. And the white lady called the police on us. It could have been the same uh, issue that we see every day on Facebook or any other uh, social media uh, site, whether we're talking about... Uh, it doesn't happen on BTI community, but every other uh, social media site out outside of BTI community, uh, Twitter, Facebook, you know, I can't even call all of them right now. Those those are the two main ones, though. They put these things up, and they put they put the context that they want you to gravitate to. Well, we are complex people. Any of your feelings that you have, they need to be discussed. Brother Scotty, BTI News, like you said, it's a rare broadcast. He opens this up for us to have that conversation. We have to take advantage of that and talk about some of the things that we are dealing with, some of the things that we are feeling, and some of the things that we are going through. And if we don't, it puts us in a one-dimensional mindset. And more times than not, it's the, it's the dimension of the propaganda that's being pushed by the, what they call the mainstream media, whether you're talking about CNN, uh, MSNBC, like I mentioned earlier, Fox News, uh, Alex Jones joint, where he be spitting a whole bunch of craziness and it's some black people that are doing the same thing, quote-unquote black uh, conservatives. These people have 
a particular interest that they are trying to push you toward. And we tend to side with them because of one or two things that they say. That's, that is not the people that we are. You may have something in common for that particular point, but not in life. Not in life, because they don't have to see the things that we have to see. And that's how it's been set up uh, under this system of white supremacy. So when we're dealing with these type of things, you have to engulf all of the feelings that you have, let those things go, and deal with what you know is the real. And what the real is is that no matter if you are a black conservative, if you feel what's going on with these white folks and you want to side with them, the fact of the matter is, is that the officer that pulled you over don't know about you and your feelings. So what what do they always say? I feel for my life. So the first thing that they do is pull those guns out on you because you are in a victimhood state. You feel like a victim, therefore you will be a victim. Hey, Jen, I don't mean to cut you off, bro, but we're coming to the end of the program, and I still ain't got to. My apologies. (laughs) So if if you could tie that up with a bow for us. Yeah, real quick, real quick. The, uh, The reason I bring all of that up is because this is something that we all are dealing with on a day to day basis. When you run into somebody, they they feel like you in a particular predicament. They don't they don't care what how you feel or where you at in life. They look at you. You are a black person to them first and foremost. And this is the understanding that we have to have. Whether like Brother Rob said, you have all of these other separate dimensions, uh, Hebrew Israelite uh, or Moorish Science Temple any of that they're going to treat you as a black person and they'll find out about the rest of you later on we don't have the uh we don't have the courtesy to explain all of that stuff so we have to act right now as a collective with that being said I'm going to put myself on mute, and if you do the same thing for me, Brother Scott, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you back your time, and I appreciate the time that you gave me. Peace. All right, peace. I can't put you on mute because my, my board then locked up, man. I don't, I don't, my browser then locked up, and so I can't get to it uh, right now. So, um, but I'm not going to worry about that. But listen, real quick, I don't really have a lot to say about the Emmett Till case being reopened. I think it's, Jeff Session trolling black people like I said earlier to get us in our emotions or whatnot, but I think most black people should see it as the farce that it is. We got crimes that's going on right now. Acts of racism and white terrorism. Okay, we we saw it on full display in Charlottesville where people of different colors were injured by a white terrorist and one woman even lost her life after being run over. And the FBI put out a report in 2006 and said white supremacists have infiltrated law enforcement. That's like 
redundant to me because when have they not been a part of law enforcement? In fact, they were created as the slave catchers to keep black people on the plantation. If they weren't enslaved, to keep them in a second-class citizenship status. So, you know, if Jeff Sessions or the Department of Justice was really about practicing justice, they would be focusing on these current issues and investigating these current issues and not bringing up something to get us in our emotions about Emmett Till that happened some 50, 60, 70 years ago. Ain't nobody left to prosecute, except for maybe an old woman with, with dementia. And so, you know, she probably ain't got long left on this planet, so... You know, we'll we'll let the creator deal with her. But this thing about Papa John, though, this guy was only born in 1961. I was born in 1966. So he's only, you know, five years older than me. I'm in my in my 50s. You think some of them terrorists that he was talking about? And I wish I could pull up the article. I can't pull it up because my browser has locked up. But. He was on a conference call and they were, as I stated at the beginning of the program, if you missed it, they were trying to get this guy to be, and this is what they were doing, get him to be politically correct and not be so, I ain't going to say openly racist, but not to blow racist dog whistles because you're hurting the business. You're hurting the bottom line. You're causing us to lose stock value and all that. So we're going to teach you how to distance yourself from racists. And his response was, well, uh, Colonel Sanders, who, who founded Kentucky Fried Chicken, called black people niggers. It wasn't no problem. And I'm paraphrasing what he said because I can't pull up the article. And it wasn't no problem. So that was like him saying, why should I? Why should I have to distance myself from racist groups and what have you when Colonel Sanders was able to get away with it? Then he said, back in my day, now back in his day, ain't that long ago. All right. We, we not, we're talking sometime in possibly, let's say around the 1970s up until the year 2000. Again, he needs to be questioned on this. But he described black people in Jeffersonville, Indiana, being dragged behind trucks to their deaths. And he mentioned this on the call. And and, and some of the people on the call said they was offended at that. And I guess there was a internal call for him to be removed from the company completely. Okay, so he's no longer even part of the board of directors. So my thing is, he's saying he got knowledge of a crime. The attorney general for that district in that area where he's talking about, if they were interested in practicing justice, would be opening up a task force to find out about these lynchings because the statute of limitations don't never run out on murder. But that's not likely to happen. And I also think it's interesting that the rest of mainstream media is attempting to whitewash his comments by not including his lynching by truck comments in their reports. I have posted the article that does include those comments in btrcommunity.com, but you can just Google John Shatner 
in Forbes because it was published on Forbes where those comments were made. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't participate in those lynchings of black people. Ain't nothing changed, y'all, in this country. Don't get it twisted. Have we made some gains? Yes, we made some gains. It's, it's undeniable, okay? It's undeniable. But at the same time, just because we're not suffering violence and terrorism at the level some of our ancestors made, if any of us are suffering this racist terrorism, that's one too many in my book, and we need to stamp it out. We need to stamp it out, as Malcolm X said, by any means necessary. And if the U.S. government won't do its job, then, hey, they're just leaving it up. They're just forcing people to resort to vigilante justice or, as they used to call it, frontier justice and what have you. But that's the country that we live in. This is why I make no bones about it. I want the corporation known as USA Inc. to be dissolved because they're still practicing slavery and they're using racism to practice that slavery and they're still subjecting people to racial terrorism. That's my program. I want to thank all the callers for calling in. Um, I was not even prepared, so thank you for those who found this program to be constructive. Uh, I just threw it together at, at the last hour and when I found out Dave wasn't going to be able to uh, do his Tando radio show in this slot. But I'm sure he'll be back next Monday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for Tando radio show, so make sure you check it out. But there are other live programming going on the network, so lots of podcasts, but I think Context of White Supremacy might be having book study tonight. So just check the network, and you'll find out what's coming up um, on the network and how to tune in. With that said, recognize the fact that we do live behind the enemy lines of USA, Inc. Slavery was never abolished. Read the 13th Amendment. Racial terrorism is still being committed, and we need to bring it to an end by any means necessary. I don't know if it's going to take a unified front on that. I, I just simply don't know. But I do know a dedicated few can get a lot done because most revolutions were won not by the majority of the population participating, but a very dedicated, committed, small minority. So I just want to remain hopeful for the future that we will end slavery, and it is the weekend, so y'all be safe out there, because them slave catchers are definitely going to be out in full force. Peace and blessings to all.